0: All units 10-3, it now appears as though shots are being
1: fired. All officers use caution. It has been confirmed. Suspects are armed and are firing at police. 660 on the air. North Bank's single ten. Building fire. Headquarters. North Bank's single fire department. 1,000 North Road Way. North Park Drive in North Albany. Multiple explosions coming from six six one. Unable to get any ambulance. uh,
0: Welcome to Scanner School. My name is Phil Lichtenberger, and this podcast is here to teach you everything to know about the scanner radio hobby. This week's session is an audio-only podcast for those of you who take in the podcast on YouTube. Now, today we have a guest in on the podcast, and his name is Blake Haggerty. Now, Blake reached out to me, he was actually on our Discord server and said he wanted to be a guest on the podcast to talk about what it is he enjoys about the scanner radio hobby. And I said, yeah, go ahead, let's go ahead and set this thing up. And he went over to our guest page over at scannerschool.com slash guest, filled out the calendar and scheduled up a conversation time and set up a time that him and I could meet and record our conversation. Blake's a young guy. He's in his early 20s and he's really into the scanner radio hobby. And it's really great to hear people who, again, are half my age at this point and enjoy the hobby. So Blake is here to tell us how he got involved with the scanner radio hobby, what it is that he enjoys about the hobby, what he would like to see in an upcoming model, and basically what it is he feels is missing from today's hardware, and also what he enjoys about software defined radios. So, without any further ado, let's go ahead and jump into this conversation that Blake and I had. Blake, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today. It's a pleasure having you on here.
1: Oh, thank you for having me, Phil. I really wanted to talk about some interesting radio stuff that I knew and wanted to share with others. Yeah, yeah, no, it's great. I mean, I think we reached out. Was it via the Discord server,
0: right? And yeah. I point you over towards the booking page. So I'm glad that we were able to at least sync up over there, and then. Come over here and, and do the recording for everybody to listen to. So,
1: who are you and where are you from and what do you do with the hobby? Well, obviously, I'm Blake Haggerty. I was actually born in Azerbaijan and my parents adopted me at the age of two, and brought me over to America. I currently live in the Pittsburgh area. And what got me into the radio hobby was back in middle school, my friend and her dad had a bunch of old Motorola brick radios, his old GP300s. And he's like, None of these work, or they're all on different channels. Can You fix them somehow. And I'm like, and he gave them all to me and asked me if I could fix them. So I went and looked online to figure out how to work these things. I had, luckily, I had an old gateway computer in my house that I could use for the programming software, which only runs on Windows XP. So I had to go buy the cable online and a 9-volt battery and hook it all up and program them. And once I figured out how to do that, he told me I could keep one for myself, and that's where it all started, for liking the radio hobby. And when I was in high school, I was friends at the school resource officer, and he told me they were going to buy six of those Motorola XPR series, which like $1,800, but I think it was 4 for to $1,800. And I I said, you're nuts. So I was like, buy one of these Titerra RD380s. I have one myself and only $100, and they can do the same thing your Motorola's can. For the cheaper price and the higher wattage output. He's like, Are you kidding me? I was like, No, I'm not kidding you. I was like, Look, I showed him the brochure for the thing. He he called the guy at the meeting and said, Cancel the order and they ordered twenty of those things at the same price. And I'm like, Or a little bit more than the same price, but he ordered twenty of them and they and I when they all came in I programmed them. I appreciated that I helped them out so much that I I actually got into the newspaper in Pittsburgh for it. Oh nice. So you
0: got some good recognition for it from the media and everything else. Very congratulations on that one. It's it's always good when, when you find yourself getting some positive feedback from the community and for helping out. And always good to cut out that paper and put it on your wall, right? Oh yeah, I did.
1: Believe me, I put it on the refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> I cut that thing right out and I went and got laminated. I actually have to do the laminated for me. And I he's like, sure, we'll do it. <laughs> great, great. You helped up, we'll help you with an easy job.
0: So you you got quite a bit of experience in radios then as far as from a young age, right? You've set up a couple for a family friend, you've set up a couple for the school, mostly on the two-way side and the programming. So what led you down though, the the path of of going into scanning?
1: That originally started when my grandpa gave me his old Bearcat fifty channel eight hundred megahertz scanner. I don't forget the name of it, but it's that's a classic. Okay. And I used to sit there and listen to my the Bethel Park, where I'm from, the police department there, because they're they're so analog. To this day, they're still so analog, and I'm very thankful. But back in the day, what got me in the scanning was all because the Pat gave me that radio. And then when I wanted to listen to the school district and the buses, and I'm thinking to myself, why can't I hear the school district? Why do I just hear weird noises on it? And I that was a time I had no idea what digital modulation was. And I happened to ask. Ask around about it, and I looked online. And I'm like, "What in the world is color code? What is talk groups?" I said, "What is this? Why can't my old '90s bear can't pick it up?" And that's where it all started. Honestly, it was because I wanted to hear my school district buses complaining about traffic. Honestly, <laughs> that's <laughs> what I wanted to do because I had a right. no bus driver, and she was my friend. She used to drive me on the mini bus all the time in grade school, and I hear on the radio to this day complaining about traffic and basically complaining. and it's always entertaining.
0: Right. It's funny you bring that up because that is one of the things that I like to listen to on the radio as well. And in fact, my daughter, who's gonna be turning nine pretty soon here, she's the same way. I was listening to the buses in the morning and she's like, What what are you listening to? You know, and I'm like, Oh, they're picking up the buses, you know, the kids. And the next morning, she's like, Can we listen to the buses again? Can we hear them again? Can we hear them again? <laughs> and it's one of those things I enjoy listening to because my police are, are encrypted, right? So you don't get that layer of knowing what's going on. But I like listening to the districts and the buses because you get kind of like real feel for how the road conditions are in the morning. So much so like it's not even just the main roads, but you get an idea for some of the side streets and the secondary roads and whatnot. And of course, it's just fun to hear these people complain all the time. Oh, yeah, it's absolutely. (laughs) There's a lot going on in some of these systems. And what I've noticed too is There's a school district out here that operates their own DMR trunk system. So you have not only the buses are on their DMR system, but they have a couple of other school groups that are on there. But they also have a frequency they've dedicated and set aside that operates as a LRRP channel or it's... All the GPS data. So all the GPS data. Yeah. And you can see every single bus in their fleet, their district. They have their own bus fleet. And you can see where every bus is, what the headings are, what the current speed is, and everything else that's going on with that
1: bus. Now your daughter can really ask, where is the bus at? And you can actually tell her where the bus is at.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, the school buses shouldn't be discounted as like, oh, it's it's just getting kids to school. I mean, there's an entertainment value on there. And not to like make light of anybody's job. I know, again, I wouldn't want to wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning to go to the bus depot to go pick up some kids that don't want to go where they want to go, right? Yeah. At five o'clock or six o'clock in the morning. I give these people credit, right? There's actually, they're doing a service and it's a job, right? But it is good listening on our end as well. So,
1: I still just think it's the yeah. same way with multiple talkers, but on the conventional first thing. But, they had the maintenance channel, and the fun thing about the maintenance channel is I get to hear when they cancel school before they call the pass, <laughs> because they say it over there on the maintenance channel, that, okay, guys, there's no, there's not going to be any school today, so make sure you get all the sidewalks salted up, and I'm thinking, Mom, there's no school today. She's like, we need to call. It's like, you just said it over the radio, Mom, and the maintenance guys don't so lie. Right, right. And she just looks at me, she's like, quit celebrating. I'm like, it's snow, why not? <laughs> That's what happened. But I hear them campus school, we're on the maintenance channel, and I'm like, it's nice to know that ahead of time. And I go and text my friend, like, there's no school today. She's like, how do you know? I'm like, I heard it on the radio.
0: <laughs> yep, yeah, I mean, it's got to start somewhere, right? And the is a good place for that one. So it's it sounds good because at least the maintenance by you is repeated so you can hear it from your home, right? Where it's not like it's... A,
1: oh, it's on the repeater. They all are. Yeah. Good. Yeah. A lot
0: of these are simplex-based or they're on FRS or the GMRS channels and stuff like that. That's, that's where a lot of districts operate too. So pretty able to hear it. That's good. Good. It sounds like so far from what we've discussed about in the last 10 minutes or so, right, is that you have an analog PD, which is not encrypted So a lot of people right there are like, okay, I don't have that.
1: the whole entire city of pittsburgh is analog oh nice the entire city pd the county pd every they have they still have p25 attack channels but they don't use it much but okay everything all dispatch and all the fire ems absolutely everything in pittsburgh is all analog so the little 125 will work great in pittsburgh
0: nice and you listen to a lot of that down in that where you are
1: as well or no yep I'll have some of my two-way radios on, like, the county PD, Then I'll have one that scans the zone to the Pittsburgh PD. So then I hear what mm-hmm. goes on. It's just – and our, our news channel actually broadcasts. Our, our actual local news broadcasts, like, their news on 455.35. Mm-hmm. So I can actually hear the behind-the-scenes of the news and hear the news on my little scanner. So it's kind of cool yep. that I'll have to turn TV on.
0: Yep, exactly. Yeah, a lot of big cities actually have that. IFB links or it's a studio link so that the reporters out in the field and they do their live shots and whatnot, they can get to hear and listen to and know when the cues are coming in and everything else. So it's here, because I can hear the New York City stuff too, is quite a few of those that happen here. And if you want to get one step further than that too, you may actually find out, if you scan around some of the UHF bands, you may find out some studio links from, say, FM broadcast channels, from the studio link from where their studio is to where the actual... Tower is and there's there's a link for that as well.
1: Okay, that's why I picked up music radio on some odd frequency bands. I picked up some in Erie, Pennsylvania, and like some weird frequencies that weren't even in the FM band So I was so confused, and that kind of makes some sense now. That or my radio is just being stupid.
0: <laughs> no, 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 it, no. And in fact, you know, you may hear uh, quite a bit of that kind of stuff as well. So let's break through. You've got a couple of scanners that you're actually using, a couple of radios. What do you have in your arsenal? What are you using right now for hardware?
1: At home, I have I don't use my 50 channel billiard can anymore because I got my other stuff, but at home I have an XPR, Motorola XPR six five five zero. I actually programmed a capacity plus system in there that I found that was not on radio reference, so I could see what's going on in there. Out of that, I have a one of those fang UB5R so I just bought mm-hmm. recently for like 20 bucks and I also run a TITERA MD380 as my main scanners just because they're so useful with the knob channel knob changing and the alpha display which I kind of like except the TITERA except the BAYOFANG doesn't have an alpha display but the other ones do but that's what I I mainly use 2A radios as a scanner I picked up an SDS100 recently just for up an ERIPA but mainly at home I just run a conventional two-way radios because they work great for reception and stuff so the batteries on the two-way radios they last forever like you can run it for two days straight and they don't die well they're made a little bit
0: different right <laughs> so that's that's exactly why
1: right they're better than those society scanner packs i got to say
0: <laughs> right but it sounds like from, from what you were saying before too right i mean using some of these radios they make perfect sense by you everything's Mostly analog, some DMR, right? And then the SDS-200, you're using for to monitor what?
1: Oh, the 100, I use it to monitor the Erie County's next generation radio system. The little trunk system up in Erie for the public safety. Gotcha. Because it's convenient and it works great. All right, so you got a pile of radios. You got something you you mostly favor, two-way radios.
0: And again, there's a lot of people out there that do favor those when they come to scanning. And there's nothing wrong with that, just as long as you're aware of the fact that if you're caught with a two-way radio, somebody may look at it and say, it's not a scanner. Why do you have a radio like what we have? You know, And that could always open up a can of worms. So for that matter, I really like having scanners because there's no transmit at all. I click the receive only button on all my channels
1: because it makes me good.
0: Right, right. But I'm saying if somebody yeah. else were to come up to you, it's it's kind of an argument you're going to have to have with them. But as long as you program it fine and, and you get it set up right, then... You can always say, hey, look, no, it doesn't transmit. See, I I hit the transmit button. But there's a lot going on here. So what is it? I mean, there's got to be something about scanning, right, or scanner radios that is pushing you away from scanners and into the commercial radio side of things. So is there something that you're just not getting out of there
1: that you're looking for? The price is one of them. I wanted the XPR was the same one our schools had at my school district. So I just wanted something I was familiar with. And it was still, and I got that thing for $90 on eBay. Someone just really wanted to get rid of what they had. And it works great, and there's nothing wrong with it. It was supposed to be worth like $250. But the guy just sold it on eBay for 90 bucks. He just wanted to get rid of it. So getting a G- DMR was a little bit cheaper than actually buying a DMR radio. So I just went by the price and convenience at the, at the time. Because at the time, I didn't want to pay $400 for a digital scanner when I could buy a DMR radio for a hundred bucks and do the same thing. And a lot of times in my own area, I knew all the frequencies. So I didn't sit there and, and I didn't like scanning on two radios because I'd always hear the other cut out when it attempted to see if something else was going on. So I'd have multiple radios just parked on, the same, on different frequencies so that I didn't have to worry about it missing a frequency because I've had scanners Miss a transmission because it didn't catch it in time. So I would just have them sitting on different frequencies and not touch it. So then I know I'm not going to miss anything.
0: Right. And again, that's one of the reasons, right, that a lot of people, when they get into the hobby, they start grabbing two or three radios. And that's also, too, like I say, too, the Baofeng has a great place for that as well. If you're going to want to have a secondary radio or a third radio that just monitors a analog channel for 25, 30 bucks, a Baofeng can certainly allow you to do that but my question is more the fact that is there a feature or something that's missing out of the scanners that's pushing you into commercial radios I mean what is it that is getting you out of scanning and into is the commercial lines
1: for the feature request from my greatest, neither of the 2-way radios or the scanners have this but the biggest feature thing I wanted on it on a scanner would be a waterfall display like a, on an SDR that in a touchscreen. So you could have a portable SDR you could walk around with and have to lug a laptop around. I'm not familiar with Raspberry Pi, so I'd rather have a scanner that you could actually use your finger and scroll across the whole frequency band and just see what you can see. Cause I like SDRs because you can see bigger of what's going on around you than just seeing one frequency on the display. That's the really the biggest thing I want is is you need it in a whistle to come out with a scanner that have a waterfall display you can see what's going on around you gotcha that would be something that would be neat to see so definitely because that's why i like the str is because hey i don't see anything on this frequency, but i can see the whole 20 megahertz each direction of what's going on near me so then i can know hey there's something here let me just click here and see what i'm listening to and so on scanner. you just you only have one spot to see so you can't tell if there's something that's transmitting a half a megahertz away from you because you only see one number on the screen which is where well, i think they gotta do some improvements
0: right and you know what that's an interesting thing though I'm, I'm my head's moving right now i'm thinking about different things because I, I actually just finished up on the podcast and recording before i spoke with you and and one of them was a feature request list on something and i completely did not think about what you just brought up and i'm, I'm going to add this to my list to be honest with you but i think that Looking at the SDS-100 and the SDS-200, I don't think we're ever going to see a waterfall display in there. But I think the scanners would be completely capable of doing that because they are software defined scanners, right? SDS, software defined scanner, software defined radio. And we know that's how they operate because they're operating on simulcast, and that's what's under the hood there. But I think that if we had our scanner, say like a Home Patrol, that was touchscreen and had the display, a larger display that was typically see on there, that'd be cool to have, although the Home Patrol is not really a handheld portable unit. I think it would be a good frame for that type of radio. But the other thing that you could think of is, and I understand where you're going with this, you want a scanner, right? You want a physical scanner, an operative scanner, but also give you the ability to have the waterfall in there. And that's why I'm leaning towards like a software upgrade or a feature upgrade to the SDS-100, the SDS-200, or something to come along with another platform or hardware that would feature that. But some options you do have that wouldn't be a scanner but would still be a receiver would be the ability to take an Android phone and you could actually plug an SDR into your Android phone and run SDR++ and that would give you a waterfall display on there. You could do the same thing with an Android tablet. And then if you wanted an actual piece of hardware to be able to do that, so the other thing you can have here too is the Hack RF by Grayscott Gadgets. While it's standalone, the Hack RF won't give you what you want, but they actually have boxes that you could put these in, right? And it becomes a port pack So the port pack with the hack RF board already in it is actually cheaper to go on Alibaba and buy it, whether it's a knockoff or not, than it is to buy the hack RF separate <laughs> from the actual board. And then you add the Mayhem firmware on there. And now all of a sudden, you have a device that will receive, and it has a waterfall display on it. And you can do ADS-B, and you can do all these other things. And it has a touchscreen display on it. And then while you're using it, you can actually put it into pass-by, pass-through mode, use the HackRF radio, and plug that into your computer. And now that device has become now your software-defined radio. And the HackRF is nice, too, because it does have a very wide, Frequency range, I think it's 20 megahertz, is actually what it can receive at one time. The issue, though, with the HackRF is that it doesn't have a TCXO, so it does, does need some stabilization on it. Newelec does sell a TCXO chip that you can put on there. But I believe, though, once you put on the other board, the PortaPak board, it also has a TCXO built into it. So it's not a true scanner in the sense that you're looking for with the feature that you want. But these are what we have now to play around with, I think, that will get you somewhere closer to a handheld software-defined radio that will help you sniff out what's out there.
1: I'm definitely going to have to look into these. These things look really cool. I'm going to have to get one. something. They? they are. Yeah.
0: Like I said, if you go to Alibaba, I bought mine from there. There's a million different ones to look at. They have plenty on eBay as well. But I just felt just, just the style I was looking for, that's what I wanted. The only issue with the one I bought was that it didn't come with a speaker. So I had to find a speaker that was small enough to actually fit into the RF one case. It fit, but it's not that loud. So if you are shopping for a Porta Pack, see if it comes with the speaker. There is a port on it, there is a, a headphone jack. So you can run headphones into it and hear what's going on. But I think it's still better to have a speaker in the box, so to speak.
1: I'm definitely going to have to probably get one of these at some point. This is basically what I was suggested. So, this might actually work for me. (laughs) As long as they could do digital audio or figure out a way to do digital, it would be great.
0: All right, we're going to take a quick pause right here. And as a reminder, anybody who's a Patreon supporter at $3 a month level doesn't get this break. For everybody else, we'll catch you all in just one moment. Chances are pretty good that you shop online and buy things online. So whether it's Amazon or eBay or Scanner Master, maybe you got a new radio and you're going to buy new software from Butel, you can help support the podcast with your online purchases. If you use our support page before buying things online, you can support our show without it costing you a single cent. So before you buy your groceries, your golf balls, your socks, or maybe a new radio, software, or whatever it is. We would love it if you could use our affiliate links before you make that purchase. And this will help support the show at no additional cost to you. Go to scannerschool.com support to find out how you can help us out. Thanks again. Do you feel lost when it comes to the scanner hobby? Are you looking for someone to answer your questions? Do you have a new radio and you need help understanding how it works? Or are you working on a big project and need somebody to bounce ideas off of? Do you need a little bit more personal assistance than what you can get from an online community? And are you looking for somebody to dedicate their attention and their time to helping you out when it comes to getting you unstuck with whatever it is that you are struggling with when it comes to the scanner radio hobby? I'm here to do just that. See, you can book me for a session right now where I'll sit on Zoom and do a video or a screen share with you just as if I am sitting across the table and helping you out. You can book your tutoring session right now by going to scannerschool.com slash tutoring. I can't wait to help you out. Unication's G2 to G5 pages are great additions to your radio collection. Not only can they alert you with two-tone pager activations, but they can also monitor your local P25 solicast systems that many scanner radios have problems receiving. And of course, many of our scanner school listeners are happily using their unication pagers to scan their local trunk systems. How do I know? Because they've reached out to tell me. My company, East Coast Pagers, is an authorized unication Swiss phone and Apollo pager dealer. We not only support departments and agencies, but also the home hobby user as well. Find us online at eastcoastpagers.com. Right. And it's not going to do it out of the box. That's the thing, right? It's not going to pass P25 or DMR out of the box. But again, it is a HackRF1 board. You can plug it into your computer, just like a regular software-defined radio, because it is a software-defined radio. And then you'd be able to use it with whatever piece of software you're trying to run on that end. So it's a compromise. You're still going to need a laptop to do DMR, but to get the waterfall display, you can either use something like this. Like I said, you can use your phone with SDR++. Or even an Android tablet, and I specifically bought an Android tablet just to run a portable SDR. So you hear exactly what you're saying about a wish list for that. I think it's a good idea.
1: Exactly. Cool. Is there anything else that's on a feature request list that you wish that you'd see? Not really, because the other ones I've thought about, like talking back to you and stuff like that, you probably I think you've mentioned in previous podcasts. So. I would bring it up, but I, mean, I know you've already talked about it, like keypads that read the, your input back and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. otherwise I think that's mainly the big one was the being able to because like, I never use the scan function on these things. Like when you go up and down the spectrum, I never use them because I just, it's so unreliable because you just have to be lucky enough for someone to be transmitting when you hit that frequency. Yes. That's yes. why I prefer SDR because you can just See, hey, someone's transmitting. Let me hurry up and jump right to it.
0: Yep. And that's that's the beauty of the software-defined radio, right? It's the ability for you to find and see things live. And when you look at a lot of the ham radio gear that's out there now, especially when it comes to HF radios, these high-end HF radios, a lot of them are software-defined radio-based, and they do have waterfalls on the display. So while you're tuned with center frequency, you can see all of the activity around you. So if you're trying to make contacts, you're trying to work a contest, if you're trying to see whatever's going on, you can see all of the other carriers, whether they're voice, digital, or if they're CW, and then you can tune to that next carrier or the next operator that you want to work. So it is making its way into the hobby. It's, it's more prevalent in the amateur radio world right now, not in the handheld world, in the desktop world. I mean, the high-end mobile, I mean, the high-end desktop radio world, but there is exactly what it is that you want to do with this, exactly people in the amateur radio world are doing with it right now. So I think if this this would definitely be a doable wish list item for somebody to make, I think. But again, you've got to create that scanner around it. So if nobody's has that yet, then that'd be cool to see something from you to do and at least as an upgrade or something like that. So yeah. very cool. So what is it? I mean, we've talked about software defined radios and I know you're into software defined radios. So what are you doing with
1: software defined radios as part of the scanner radio hobby? For me I use my software to find radio alongside like a Unidin or another radio. Mainly my Uniden now, but I use it so that I can find new frequencies. And then if I find something, I hurry up and slap it into my Uniden and then have it sit there on it while I look for something else so that Uniden can keep track of what I'm listening to. And then while I go look for another frequency, if they speak on the previous frequency of that, Uniden'll pick it up and then I can be able to see what's going on with it. So I use right. them as like Buddy, partner, to be able to get it to work—that's smart. And you know, I always say on the podcast too, right? The secrets are in the searches, and you're out there searching this stuff out, which is excellent. What software are you using with software to find radios? I use sdr Sharp because that's like the big one, and and also Digital Speech Decoder. I I bought the fast lane version because I wanted a little bit more features. Right? Yeah, DSD Plus fast lane I think it's well worth the money. I think
0: that's a nice Swiss Army knife. I. I feel lost if I don't have it with me because just the ability to quickly put something together to funnel some audio into and find out what type of system this is, what the color codes or the P25... The Yeah,
1: exactly.
0: Yeah, I mean, the audio on it may not be superior to, or equivalent to what you get out of a radio, but I think it's good enough for what we pay for it. Certainly, for what the value is that you're getting out of it, I think it works very well for that. One of the things I wanted to ask you, though, is are you aware that you can do multiple VFOs on SDR Sharp? You can actually set up and park your SDR on one frequency. And as long as you stay within the tunable range of that frequency, you can tune up or down on a secondary VFO. I do not know. How do you do that? Uh-huh. So that's something... That you're going to make me think about for a while. And I know it's in there under tuners. I think you go in there and create a second tuner, but I know you can also do that in SDR. You can do that in SDR console as well. You can start up a secondary receiver and even SDR Uno. It's basically on any software-defined radio software out there, you have the ability now to tune around in that band. So remember. That your like your new elect dongle, right? You've got really 2.04 mega cycles per second that you can tune into. So if your center frequency is the channel that you've just discovered, you're only going to be able to go up like a megahertz from there. So doing it the way you're doing it now, with which is where you park a scanner on the frequency, then you go ahead and start tuning up again anyway on the SDR, might still be the best way for you to do it. But I just want to keep that in the back of your mind. Again, too, if you're going to use something too like a hack RF, if you ever decide to get the port of and you then you, now you have a hack RF, now you have 20 megahertz or 10 megahertz to play around with, that's something you may want to take a look at is, is the ability to have multiple BFOs. And another reason why you'd want to do that too is say if you listen to aviation, right? There's a lot of stuff going on in the aviation band. A lot of frequencies are just bouncing around. If you ever put your SDR on the aviation band, you'll notice there's a lot of spikes, there's a lot of transmission and they're very quick. And if you go ahead and you tune to a channel, it's gone by the time you tune to it. And then there's more stuff going on. So if you can plot and print out or or park multiple VFOs on one SDR, now as as you got multiple transmissions coming in at the same time with one piece of hardware.
1: So it's something to look into. I think you'll enjoy it. I'm definitely gonna look into it after the podcast, honestly. I think that's something I'm gonna honestly enjoy. Especially with digital transmissions here in both at once.
0: Yeah, well, that's different though. So it works really well with the analog stuff. But when it comes to digital, DSD Plus still only allows you to use one SDR for one dedicated role. So you won't be able to split up that. You'll be able to do it with like a two-time slot talk group, right? So if you're on a voice channel and it's two time slots, you'll be able to monitor that with DSD Plus because you're on one frequency. But if you want to do multiple frequencies on digital, then, yeah, you're still going to need to, to route the signal in through, say, SDR Sharp, and then into DSD+, Plus, which is, again, an, a pain when it comes to the virtual audio cables. But there's other software out there, too, like SDR Trunk and also Unitrunker. I use SDR Trunk. Yeah, SDR Trunk may be up your, right up your alley, too, because you can put multiple different narrowband FM channels in there, multiple DMR channels in there as standard conventional channels or even as trunk systems. And you can use multiple VFOs on a single SDR as well with that software. So that'll allow you to go that route with the digital route. And again, DMR and P twenty five, right, right there in an SDR trunk. So
1: I see a plugin for SDR about multiple VFOs. So
0: yeah, that's that's something to take a look at. So what else are you doing with the SDRs? It sounds like you're using that kind of as like your eyeballs, so to speak, right? It's
1: the visual side of listening, right? Is is what you're using the SDRs for? That's Based on that, and honestly, when it comes to like, just sometimes, it's, for example, here's something that so I have programmed into my sds 100 is the hospital near me, the St. Vincent and Erie. There's the security channel, which is DMR. But here's what I like about SDR more than scanners is the amount of info it's going to give you. Because, for example, on that that channel, I'm get when they sometimes talk on that frequency, I. Getting larp data, even though there's no GPS coordinates it's just other things that says Larp on s on DSC plus that like your SDS100 doesn't tell you which is kind of sad, especially on the eries trunk system I can see every time someone turns the radio on it'll tell me affiliation and stuff like that but yet your STS 100 won't tell you that stuff which is not- actually something else that I-, I should bring up as a feature list is that give me more information. I was Like str sharp and all dsc plus can tell me all kinds of cool things about the system, but yet my sds 100 only really just tells me whether someone's talking or not
0: exactly. And, and again, you know, you have to look at the different markets for that. For a lot of people, that would just really be an overkill. But any radio that's receiving right is getting that information and it's it's using it internally for its thing. And it's not just the sds 100, I mean, any scanner radio going back that was supposed to any trunk system going back. The bc, I don't know, I see the bc. 780 days, right? I mean, there was no way for, to, for that to spit the information out on the screen. But you're right, though. With the new scanners, the STS-100, the STS-200, with the with the type of displays they have, I think that there's a lot of information out there. You're not getting the, the registrations, the rejects, and whatnot like that. But that would be something that maybe people would pay for, right? When we have the Home Patrol Extreme upgrades that you can get on the HP1 and the HP2, maybe that is something that could be included in the STS-100 and the STS-200, you know, the ability to unlock that. And that may be a, a pretty cool feature request as well. But again, a lot of that stuff goes by so fast on that screen. It's kind of crazy to look at
1: that. <laughs> so, Well, yeah, it's just like I paid so much money for the radio. Why don't give me more features with it?
0: Right. And again, it may not happen because it was just, it's not a consumer feature. It's such an advanced feature. But you have the ability, though, with the software to radios to be able to do that. And you're right. There's a lot of information that comes over the air that because we have a software-defined radio that we're able to see that. And we were able to see that information too a lot earlier too when we had discriminated tap scanners, right? When we used to do that back in the days and feed the discriminated audio into our sound cards and we would play back or listen to or sniff out the audio when it came to using software like Trunker 88 and eTrunker and, and Unitrunker. But in the early days of Unitrunker, Pro 96 COM. and of course, there's some other software out there we won't mention that allows you to take some data streams and see what's happening on the data packets. But there's a lot of different things out there that was pre-SDR that we still needed a computer in order to take that data and see on the screen what was happening. So there's a different level, right? There's a different level of consumer that is using the data the way we're using it, right? It's not the average user is happy listening to the scanner. And not seeing all this stuff, right? There's a certain level that you get to when it comes to how immersed you get into the data. There's a lot of guys out there that like the bells and the whistles and the, and the turning of the screws and and seeing how things operate and get under the hood and looking and, and looking at the code and the data. And I think to do that, right, you've got to have a big screen. You got to have it on a computer because there's no way you going to see all this data that comes across a tiny screen on your scanner. But I get what you're saying.
1: You know, 100% get what you're saying with that one. Exactly more the better. If you don't want it, turn it off. If you do like it, enjoy it. Right. And the other thing might happen, though, too, is the scanner just
0: may not have the horsepower to spit that information out. So that could be also something to consider. So, Blake, is there anything else you want to uh, bring up and talk about today while you're on the podcast?
1: Not that I can think of. Just for anyone who's never used an SDR radio, I highly recommend getting one because of the amount of power you can get out of those things for only like $30. It's like ridiculous because pretty much every software you want to get for it's free like you don't have to pay for D S C fast lane but
0: well actually you do <laughs> dsd plus you don't have to pay for it dsd plus fast lane you do
1: i mean like you don't have to get it if you don't want it right? exactly yes yes i mean yes. like yeah, you I free, it. okay yeah i'm running a regular dsd until about two weeks ago ever since i've had that thing and then i finally said screw it let me get Fastlane, and see what it is and i was just Blown away by all the features that are newer on it, because that. But public version 1.01 has never been updated for like t- since 2018. So
0: right, right, exactly, and there's a reason for that too, right? All the resources, and they're still working on Fastlane. It's always coming out with updates, so I like it. One of my go-to pieces of software, it's well worth it. So yeah, software defined radios for the win, obviously. And then I really do think too, right? Software defined radios is going to be the future of the scanner radio hobby. So whether or not you're going to embrace it now or embrace it later, you don't need to embrace it now in the form that it's in because we have software-defined radios now in our SDS-100 and the SDS-200. But it's going to be, I think, the way that radios are evolving and becoming. And we're going to see more of this kind of stuff under the hood of our scanner radios.
1: Yeah, so they're definitely worth the money if you ever get one. definitely worth it. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: All right, Blake. Well, again, this podcast episode was your idea. I want to thank you for, first of all, being part of the community and being on Discord and, and most importantly, coming on the podcast and sharing your story today and, and everything else you've done for your community and and just the feature requests. I think that was a great, great topic that we talked about and even how you use software-defined radios to enhance your scanner radio hobby. I think, again, we can't speak highly enough about scan, uh, software-defined radios. And I think that if more people were to get into it, I think that more people would understand a little bit more and find out it's not so scary. I mean, it really is an interesting side of being part of the hobby.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I, I only knew about it because a fireman at a football game at my high school told me about it when I asked him, how do I listen to the school district, That's how I got in the SDR, honestly. And so he told me about it. And that's where it started. There you go. Very cool. So they. The song was only twenty dollars.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean they're they're not that much more than that now, anyway. But again, word of mouth, right? I mean, it's it's great that somebody was able, to local, to help you out with that too, and, and steer you in the right direction. And again, you will never know, you know, in the community who's who's there to help you out. So, Blake, again, thank you so much for being on the podcast today, and thanks for having this conversation with us today. I appreciate
1: it. No problems, and I hope to come back again. Yeah, uh, I'll be like, back. I can talk about the two-way radio side of things. That's the next thing I want to bring up is about like how I use my two-way radios, what I find different about them and stuff like that. So I probably will talk about that there. Sounds good. appreciate it. Thanks again.
0: Hey, Blake, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast and sharing your stories with us. I think it's very interesting how you got involved with the Scanner Radio hobby. It's great to hear that you were actually recognized by your community for saving your district some money. And I think the way that you go through the hobby and are learning and picking things up, I mean, this is what it's all about, right? Learning how things work and figuring them out. And I'm definitely taking what we talked about today and we are going to push that into some content for January. So take a look for that on our YouTube channel. So again, Blake, thank you so much for being a guest. So if anybody else would like to be on the podcast, it's very simple. Go to scannerschool.com guest, fill out the calendar and be a guest on the podcast. And you would actually be doing me a favor by doing so because that's a little bit less content that I need to create. And being where my health is right now, it's very difficult for me to actually sit in front of the microphone, sit in front of the computer, and actually put something together. My brain is just not working as fast as it used to. So having a guest on the podcast certainly takes a little bit of pressure off of me. So if that doesn't guilt you into being a guest on the podcast, I don't know, but I really hope to have more people on come 2023. I enjoy speaking with people. I Hopefully you enjoy having them share their stories and their knowledge and how things work in their areas. I mean, just as some suggestions, we had Joseph Donala on a couple of weeks ago, and, and he spoke very specifically about what it's like to scan in the Washington, D.C. area. Uh, Garrett Fowell was on not too long ago either, and he spoke on how it is to scan interoperability in the San Francisco Bay Area. And I'd like to have more podcast episodes exactly like that. What is it like scanning where you live? Do you live in a metropolitan area? Say New York City, down in Miami-Dade, maybe in some multiple different areas in Texas. There's, there's plenty of major cities here in the US. And I'm not even talking about here in the US either. If you live in Australia, in Canada, New Zealand, over in the UK, overseas, anywhere, outside the US, would love to speak with you because I'm sure people are very interested to know what it's like to scan where you live. Because we kind of live in a bubble, right? We all know what it's like to scan in our backyard under our listening footprint. But what is it like, maybe if I want to take a trip to a major metropolitan area? What if I go and travel overseas? I would love to know what it's like to scan where you are. For example, again, in Australia, radio reference is kind of lacking. So you really need to do some investigations on how to scan in Australia. Well, how do you figure that out? Sentinel doesn't work that well in in Australia. Doesn't work that well in New Zealand doesn't work that well over in Asia or or Europe for that matter. How are you using those types of scanners over in those countries? I'm sure we have plenty of listeners that would be very interested in knowing how difficult it is to set up your scanner to find information and to what we take for granted here in the U.S. when it comes to setting up our radios. Just some suggestions. I'm inviting you on the podcast because I enjoy speaking with you and would love to be able to have that conversation here on the podcast. Video is optional, by the way. I'd love to have this as a video podcast, but again, completely up to you and optional. So don't let that hold you back either. So with that, I'm gonna say thank you so much for listening to this week's podcast. Blake, thank you for being a guest and we'll catch you all again next week. Before we wrap up this week's podcast, I wanna take a minute here to thank all of our Patreon supporters. Alan Gonzales, Arthur Altrek, Arthur Heron, Bill K, Bob Robbs, Bob Middleton, Brandon Sammons, Brian King, Chris Paris, Craig Harper, Dan, Dave Dombrowski, David Pascoe, David C, David Kunzneski, Danny Crotty, Dylan Hyder, Ed Walsh, Edward Bramlett, Glenn Dabos, Glenn Wright, Greg Johnson, Guy Lee, I hate junk mail, Jack Haycock, Jacques Berry, Jake Jacobson, James Broxson, James Felling, Jay Reed, Jeff Block, Jeff Chapman, Jeff McLeod, Jeff Waldrop, Jenny Taylor, Jim B, Jim Heinrich, Joe Curtis, Joe P. John Cortoff, John. Keel, John Sweeney, John Sheldon, John Derby, John Goldenberg, Joshua Robb, Ken Newberry, Kenneth Fowler, Kevin Zwicky, Lenny Bauer, Les Stevenson, Lloyd R., Mark Beebe, Michael Gorman, Michael Kroger, Michael Meadows, Mike Lopez, Mike Pilts, Nicholas Stenger, Paul Teal, Raymond Hill, Rich Palomary, Ronnie Box, Sal Marandola, Scott Lefgrand, Terry Wright, Tim Mazza, TJ, Todd Glenday, and William Arcand. Find out more about Patreon and our support tiers by visiting scannerschool.com Patreon. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you again next week, 73.